Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. It says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will put their hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and As Pastor Ed continues his teaching series, he'll be explaining how our hope in Jesus will give us peace and joy even during tumultuous times. Jesus came first to the Jew and then went to the Gentiles. Now we have hope in the Messiah and can rejoice in knowing that we will one day see Jesus face to face in heaven. God all along had a plan for everyone in the world, not just the Jewish people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. This is the good news we can have hope in. Now let's join Pastor Ed for today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. Turn to the book of Romans, the 15th chapter, and we're going to begin with verse 4. Paul the Apostle is sort of summing up his thoughts to... Uh, the rest of the book that he's written, and this is really what they consider the conclusion of the book, even though it goes on in chapter 15 and on in chapter 16. It's more personal matters uh, in the rest of the book, but at this particular point, he's summing up his thoughts. And woven into the text is this idea of hope. And when you think about hope, it's not something, oh, I wish for that. Biblical hope is, I am confident of that. There's a sense of assurance, of confidence that God will do what he said he will do. That is what biblical hope is. It's not just a wish. It's a confidence. Verse Number four of chapter 15. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written... Therefore, 
I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns in your name. Again, it says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will put their hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to walk, to live, to be filled with hope, a confidence that he is with us and that he will work out all things for his glory and for your good. In 1933, the president of Harvard University said that they no longer were going to focus on religion as a science. They downgraded it. Uh, Similar, same things happened in Princeton and Yale. They took religion off of that high level it had been treated for decades and centuries. A generation later, the courts ruled that abortion would be the rule of the land. A generation later, prayer was taken out of the school. The impact of a generation forgetting the God who created and was involved in the foundation of our nation. In 1940s, some of the major problems in our schools were, according to teachers, chewing gum, getting out of line and going ahead of someone else, speaking out of turn. Think about what the problems are today. Guns, drugs, all sorts of unbelievable things that we would have never, ever imagined half a century ago, 50 years ago. There's a sense of despair, and it's growing. In May of 2013, in the New York Times, there was an article about how suicide among middle-aged people is increasing. In fact, in 10 years from 1999 to 2009, it increased 30%. It especially increased among 50-year-old men, men in their 50s, by 50%. Now, the article went on to say that there were a number of things that perhaps could have contributed to this. One of those things was the downturn in the economy. Another thing was the ability to get prescription drugs very, very freely and painkillers, prescription painkillers. But then the article also hinted at some deeper problems. It said failed expectations and a loss of hope might be a root cause for the increase of suicides. Well, that makes sense. 
When a person loses hope, they lose the will to live. They lose the passion and the drive to go on. Now, Dr. Phillips, a researcher at Rutgers University, said boomers had great expectations for what their life would look like, but it hasn't turned out that way. And Dr. Philip warns that future generations will be facing the same conditions that lead and led to this sense of despair. Hope is evaporating from our culture as people move further and further away from God. As they push God out of the picture and they begin to live their lives solely, completely on just humanistic terms. What's the reason for our existence? Why are we here? What's the meaning of it all? They'll come to a conclusion, it's all vanity. Paul the Apostle speaks about hope and how the church can be a place where hope is found because Christ is in the church. In this text, there are two simple things that I want you to see. The first is there must be an obedience, an obedience to God that will inspire hope. In Romans 15:4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So he's referring to the Bible. He's referring to the Old Testament. He's looking back and says, everything that was written there was written so you and I could have hope. The scriptures, the scriptures, in four, verse four again, so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. What he's saying is, when you dig into the word of God, it gives you hope. You go back and you walk with David and David overcomes an incredible challenge in Goliath. It gives you hope for the Goliaths in your life. When you go back in the scripture and the scripture refines your expectations and gives you a a different frame to use and see suffering and problems with. Uh, Suddenly you're able to deal with life in a way that you couldn't have had not the scriptures informed you and become the lens that you see life through. So it encourages us as well. Uh, The promises that simply you stand on and believe in, God has integrity, he keeps his word. This word was good for the first century and it's good for the 21st century. God keeps his promises. In Psalm 119, verse 114, you are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. We've learned you can't put your hope in the promises of our politicians. You really can't put your hope in the promises of people but you can put your hope in God, his word, his promises. And so that's what 
Paul is wanting his new believers and older believers that were in Rome to do. Put your hope in God. Put it in his, his word. And then he moves forward and he says, put your hope in the Savior. In verse 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement, here we come back to this, endurance and encouragement, to endure the trials of life, to be encouraged in the trials of life. May God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. It's so important that the church has unity because that creates a community of hope. If the church is filled with division and our differences divide us rather than simply putting them before God, it creates a system where hope goes out the door. We need to be able to come into the house of God and sense and feel and experience unity. Now, unity is hard anywhere. It's hard in a marriage. It's hard in a family. Uh, We're different. We see things differently, and that's normal. And in this biblical context, you think about, well, the problem that Paul talks about earlier in the text. He talks about the weaker Christians, and he talks about the stronger Christians. There were weaker Christians who we believe were the Jewish people who were caught up still in the Old Testament law, and, and, and things troubled them, where the Gentiles didn't have all of that stuff that they were dealing with. For example, when they decided to have their New Year's Eve party, and they decided to have a potluck din- dinner, and the Jews brought the kosher food, and the Gentiles brought the pork, <laughs> it didn't go over well. <laughs> then styles or perhaps approaching things, Gentiles and Jews, all all sorts of differences that could have divided them. You know, even, even today, look at the flags around. They represent some of the nations that are here. You grew up in Africa, or you grew up in South America, or you grew up in Europe, or you grew up in the States, or you grew up in Asia. You, you see things differently. You... you have been taught in some ways differently, and those differences can divide us if we're not careful. What can unite us is the fact that we are Christians, the fact that we're following Jesus, and because we're saved, because we're saved, we take our Lord's prayer very seriously in John 17 when he said, I pray that they may be one. So we build bridges and not walls. We essentially are fulfillment of what Jesus was praying for. I think of the words of Philip Melanchthon, the friend of Martin Luther in the Reformation. He had an incredible statement that sums it up well. In essentials, unity. In other words, there are some things we can't compromise on. You've got to be born again to be saved. The Bible has a code of morality that we have to follow. We can't go along with what the culture says. The Bible has teachings that we have to adhere to. But then there are other areas. Styles of music, colors of the rug, you know, the types of sound system and all different things that just 
our preferences, and we have our preferences. Even church government. All sorts of things are preferences. But, he says, indifference is liberty. The, there are essentials, unity, indifference is liberty. In all things, charity. We treat one another with love, endeavoring to unify the body of Christ. When you have that, somehow God's presence just comes into a place because you are answering God's prayer. It's a beautiful thing when there's unity in the church. When there's disunity in the church, you just feel it. You sense it. It's written on people's faces, comes out in their conversation, in the tone of their voice. Now what's gonna happen when we dig into the scriptures when we trust in his promises, we follow his word, what's gonna happen when we take Jesus very seriously and we have that unity that he prayed for, that the Father had and he had, that miraculous unity that cannot be explained by any Trinitarian. Uh, Dave and I were talking about a book we recently both saw, you know, like, unraveling the mystery of the Trinity, it will never happen. Not in our lifetime. Maybe in heaven we'll understand more, but there's so many things we can't fully understand. And there should be something unexplainable about how we get along together here at Faith Assembly. And what is the results? Verse six, so that with one heart and mouth, you may glorify God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What happens is when we do these things, there is this sense of hope within the atmosphere of a church. There is this sense what they're saying is true, and God is glorified. He is lifted up, and people know that the Father sent the Son, and the Son is the Savior of the world. I was... um, reading something by Max Lucado, and he talked about a vitamin salesman that he saw in the mall. This vitamin salesman was walking in the mall, and he had this picture of this guy that was buff and strong and athletic like your lead pastor. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Anyway, he saw this vitamin salesman. He had this picture, and here this vitamin salesman was trying to sell these vitamins, but the guy didn't look like the picture that he had there. <laughs> and, and so um, Max Locato said, well, either the vitamins don't work or he hasn't been taking them. <laughs> when people look at the church, they're gonna say, either they're not doing what they say or it doesn't work. But when they see a supernatural unity within the community, and they see people living in the word, and the word living in them, they sense a hope, a hope that's born in the presence of God, in the parts of the people of God, and they, they could sense it, there's a hopefulness. There was a letter from the British Missionary Society to a church in Uganda during the time of great persecution. And many, many people were being martyred for the cause of Christ. And 
The letter read from the British Missionary Society to one of the congregations, what can we send you people? You are being persecuted. Your archbishop has been martyred. What can we send you? Here's their reply. No food, no medicine, but 250 clerical collars. 250 clerical collars. And it goes on to say, you must understand when our people are being rounded up to be shot, they must be able to see their priest. Think about that. When the people in our community look at us, because we are called to be spiritual priests in the family of God, do they see hope radiating from us? It can't if we're not in unity with God and with one another. And you can't be in unity with God and disunity with people at the same time. It doesn't, can't be. And when God's word is governing your life and guiding your life, and you're just simply believing his promises, it's an amazing thing how hope fills your heart. So our obedience will inspire hope. And the second thing from this text I want you to see is that our mutual acceptance inspires hope. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Isn't that powerful? Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Think about how how he accepted you. He said, oh, I'll accept her because she is just so perfect. She never gets frazzled, never loses her temper, never has a bad hair day. Or I'll accept him. Man, he has it all under control. I'm gonna accept him, he is brother together. Now think about it, God, how he accepted you. Your strengths, your weaknesses, who you are, your ups and downs. He, he accepts you fully, completely. So just as God accepted you with your fears, with your strengths, with your weaknesses, you are to accept others. That's powerful. Now there's controversy, there's conflict in this Roman church because Jews and Gentiles are in conflict with one another because of their differences that just naturally are there. And so what he does is he brings them to understand the heart and the mind of God so that they will more align with the heart and the mind of God in the following verses. You look at the promise fulfilled, the promise fulfilled. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. What he is saying is you Jewish believers, I want you to look around at all the Gentiles. Guess what? God kept his word to Abraham. That's why they're in church. That's why they're worshiping with you. That's why they're there. In Romans 4.18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So what he's saying to the 
Jewish community within the church is think about how God the Father, through Jesus, Jesus fulfilled all of the promises given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The Christmas season is always a busy time of year. The hustle and bustle to get all of the gifts wrapped and ready. The preparation of the meal where the family gathers to celebrate. It's easy to lose sight of what's most important in this season. We're sharing this special four-part series on the Advent season with hopes that Jesus truly will be the reason for the season. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith, subscribe to the Building in Faith podcast. By subscribing, you'll always be up to date with the latest messages. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say Merry Christmas. You're